open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get after it. God, I love you. I thank you so much for these people. I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this opportunity to seek your face and to be changed by your presence. And so, God, uh, help us to better understand your love. Help us to better understand how much you care for us in our situations that we find ourselves in. And, God, we really want to be changed. We didn't come here just to come here, Father. We want to be changed to love more like you, to look more like you, and to walk and talk more like you. So help us during this day and during this time. Decrease me, increase you, Father, for the glory of your name, for the good of this world, and for the joy of our soul. Amen. Hey, so good to be back with you all today. I have been anxiously anticipating this day and the two-hour drive this morning to tell you big news on this front. You know, last, this time last year, I am one year and two weeks. We got married um, to Lauren, who will be here next week. So she's the one that you want to see. So uh, come back next week. And so uh, there's that. And then the second piece is I am now officially a homeowner. And I want you to know I am intimately acquainted with how awful a handyman I am. Uh, I, I, uh, I have relied a lot on YouTube and I've relied a lot on the internet to better understand those things that I need to have already known by this point. But I'll tell you one thing that I do know very well, and that is mowing the grass. Well, as a little kid, I was forced to mow the grass, and then I realized you can make money mowing grass, and so the idea of mowing my own yard, even though it takes me 30 minutes, is something I take great pride and joy in, of being able to identify what was the, the best mower I wanted to buy, the best edger, the best trimmer. It is something I very much look forward to every weekend, to carve out a little bit of time to take great pride in mowing our grass. And so about three months ago, um, uh, I, was, I was mowing the grass, and it was one of those times where I had an 8 o'clock meeting that I had to be up, called into. Um, and so it was a video conference. I was going to take it from my house before I made my way into the office. And so I don't know if you remember 8 o'clock. It's kind of early in the morning. It's about 7 o'clock in the morning. So I am that guy in the neighborhood. Hopefully nobody sees me with my cell phone light pushing so that I can see where the lines are so that I'm not going a little bit crazy. I'm doing this because Lauren and I are going out of town for two weeks after this. So I know I've got to get the yard mode or the HOA is going to be on me. And so I've got to do this. So I'm mowing and all of a sudden Lauren comes out the back porch and she's like, Nick, Nick, come inside. And I'll be completely honest, candor, I did not respond lovingly. I, I told her, Lauren, I have got to mow this grass. We're going away for two weeks. I don't have time. I've got this meeting. I've got to finish mowing the grass. And she was like, Nick, you've got to come inside. I was like, Lauren, look at me. There is wheat. There's, there's, I'm disgusting right now. I can't just traipse in because then you're going to get mad at me because I track all this junk in. I can't, and I've got to mow the grass. Back and forth until eventually she says, Nick, hold on. So then I'm just brewing. I'm frustrated now that I'm having to hold on, knowing that every minute counts. And then all of a sudden, Lauren comes out, and with this little grin, she holds up a pregnancy test, and she's like, We're, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Needless to say, the grass did not get finished mowing the rest of that day. And forever, I will always remember that moment of just being completely under the impression that I am ridiculously blessed and utterly powerless by the news I was just given. 
Because the realization is that we've all had those moments, right? We've had those moments when we hear that news that sends us to a level on a mountaintop that words cannot convey the gratitude that we have for God because of how richly he's blessed us because he's the one that's the giver of every good thing given and perfect gift received. We've all been there on the receiving end of that news, whether it was a child, a grandchild, something, a job, a, a promotion, a deal that goes through, a friendship that's restored, joy, unspeakable joy wells up in our hearts, the news, and we're the recipients of that, and it forever changes. We have that smile that comes across our face that you just can't wipe off. But we've also been on the other side, haven't we? We've received news that just sends us down, that it's the loss of a loved one, it's betrayal, it's hurt, and we realize the news that comes at that moment. Words can't convey the hurt that we're feeling, but we do know that it has changed us because that's what news does. Breaking news often breaks us, right? And then it's in that brokenness that we have an opportunity and God has this unique ability to be able to build us back up and to strengthen us in his image. And so today, what I, what I want to do is I want us to take a look at a story in the biblical narrative, specifically at Ruth 1. And Ruth 1, I want us to be able to look at three characters in particular, at how they responded to tough news, and then in turn, the, the attributes that we can take and the truths that we can take, three truths that we can take from their story to realize that when that news hits us, how God wants to continue to use us and strengthen us in the midst of that. So Ruth is, is just an utterly sad story. It's, I, I, would like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Up by Disney. Up in Disney, the first 15 minutes of Up might be the saddest 15 minutes in historical cinema. It's just a really sad start to a movie. And Ruth is very similar to that. In the first five verses of Ruth, we, le we learn, we're introduced to three characters. We're introduced to Ruth, we're introduced to Ruth's sister-in-law, Orpah, and then we're introduced to Ruth's mother-in-law, which her name is Naomi. Naomi hears the news, one, that her husband has passed, and then two verses later, we hear the news that uh, now Naomi has lost her two sons. And so now, Naomi is in a foreign land, where she is viewed very poorly. She has a poor reputation in this land, so she's a foreign land one. The second piece is not only is she in a foreign land, but also now she finds herself with her two daughters-in-law, and she has to make sense of, I don't have my husband, who's my source of well-being. I don't have my sons, who are, who are great meaning for me. What am I to do in this moment? And then I want us to be able to see, one, the character, of Naomi because with Naomi when she hears all of this bad news she doesn't run from it nor does she avoid it nor does she try to cope with it but rather the first instance of what we see from Naomi when she hears the bad news that she's lost not only her husband but her two sons the first her response isn't to run from it but it's to acknowledge it what, how does she acknowledge it? It says in the end of chapter 1, it says, in, it says that she changed her name, not to Naomi anymore, but to Mara, which translates as bitterness. 
bitterness at the very root of bitterness is disappointment. Anne Lamott has this phrase. She says that that our um, uh, expectations are our expectations are resentments under construction. That when we set our expectations, inevitably, often is the case that we have this we have disappointment that is an inevitable part of it. And many of us have experienced those disappointments in life. Things that didn't go the way that we were anticipated. Expectations that we had that failed. And so the, the reality is those are an inevitable part of life, the di- expectations that weren't met. So how do, we, how do we move from them? Well, what we see with Naomi is she acknowledges it. And what is the truth that we see from Naomi? You cannot heal that which you do not acknowledge. She doesn't run away from it. She acknowledges it and presses into it. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you there are a number of things that make up who I am today. I am Lauren's husband. I am, I am Joe and Michelle Pitts's son. And I am, at the very core of my being, a long-suffering Titans fan. <laughs> I need you to know that. Uh, we play the Colts here in a couple of hours, and I am have my expectations exceedingly too high for this season, despite the prospects that we put on the field week in and week out and the injuries we suffer. I'm a Titans fan. You know, the reason why I tell you I'm a Titans fan is because, one, that acquaints me with disappointment year after year, and, and then, two, it, it, it ties into a study that I, I read about in t- 2016, a study out of Yale, They wanted to study the idea of disappointment among sports fans. You see, they found that disappointment among sports fans was just an inevitable part, right? I'm speaking probably to a lot of Cowboys people, um, right? (laughs) Let's just be honest. (laughs) Misery loves company, (laughs) y'all. But what they found, though, what was fascinating is they found that individuals, they found that individuals that that were greater to be able to uh, move forward past disappointment, that it didn't cause them a greater setback when they identified various groups, were older fans. Why? Because older fans have realized that life moves on. Right? Can you remember who won the Super Bowl two years ago? Can you remember who won the World Series three years ago? Can you remember who won the NBA championship six years ago? Your teams probably did not, but you probably don't remember who did. Why? Because as life moves forward, you realize that life goes on because you accept reality. That our God in his infinite nature, where one day is but a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day for him, not only walks with us, it says, Um, It says in Psalm 32, but it says in Matthew 28 that he will be with always until the very end of the age. The reality of the matter is the beauty of what Naomi realized and the pain and disappointment she was experiencing is that the same God that allowed her to experience this hurt is the same God who said in Jeremiah 17, 14, I will heal those who I will heal. I will complete all who I complete. God is with us even in the disappointments and he will see us through them. We don't run from them, we acknowledge them. And we experience healing in that when we don't try to repress it, when we don't try to belittle it, when we just acknowledge it. Naomi had every right to be bitter. And you know what happened? 
God was going to work in that and through that because the same God that didn't give up on us is the same God that didn't give up on Naomi, even when she changed her name. The first character we see in the story of Ruth is Naomi. The, the, the value in the lesson that she teaches us is the value to acknowledge the hurt that we're feeling. Hurt people. It's okay. The second person that we see is Orpah, not to be confused with Oprah. If you're, if you're reading in, in, the, in the pages, I always want to say Oprah. Wow, there it is. Um, but the second person we see is Oprah. And in Oprah, we see a very individual, Orpah, sorry, see, I did it there again. <laughs> and so with or- Orpah, what we see is the value of being adaptive. You know, Orpah did not have dreams of being a widow. She didn't have dreams of her husband passing before she had expect- that her expectations were met. She envisioned probably growing old with her husband, Kilion. But yet, what do we find? When she was given the opportunity, because Naomi, it says in beginning in verse 7, when Naomi was realized she wasn't going to be able to provide for her daughters-in-law, she just couldn't do it. She was going to have to, she was going to, have to produce more sons, and that was going to be years off of her life. And so what does Naomi do? She tells Orpah and she tells Ruth, you can go. I'm not going to be able to support you. I'm not going to be able to provide for you. You go ahead and go and try to find somebody else to do that. Orpah takes her up on her offer, and it says that she hugged her neck, and she cried aloud, and then she departed from her. She was adaptive in that moment. The value of what we find in Orpah is that she was adaptive, and she realized expectations weren't met, but she was going to do something different. And so what did she do? She went back to her people, and we don't, we don't know the rest of Orpah's story. But we do know that she was adaptive in that moment and the disappointment that she experienced. Adaptiveness is what we all have had to live through for the past three years, right? Nobody had on their bingo card global pandemic, right? Usually during times of tragedy that forces us to come together, but during a time of global tragedy that forced us to stay apart for the sake of safety for some in some instances, right? We've all had to learn the value of being adaptive. I'm just now getting back into our office. I never would have imagined an oil and gas company to go remote for two and a half years, <laughs> right? I was like a dog at, at the window at our house. Like, is there anybody out there that wants to play? <laughs> I, I, was not, I was not suited to work from home life. But you know what I had to be? I had to be adaptive to acknowledge reality. And you know what happens when we become adaptive, when we acknowledge reality? We realize that we can make our way through it. There was another study that was out of Syracuse University that identified that, um, that what we see with Orpa, acknowledging reality of our, all, of our mortality that we all have to experience. It was a fascinating study because it, it took two particular groups and it separated them one from another. One group was told that they had three weeks to live all, in, all in all other circumstances, these individuals were healthy, they were well, they were young, they weren't even close, that, uh, based on what we know. We don't know our days, but based on, our, based on what we know, weren't even close to dying. It was a distant thought for them. And they were, they were told that they had three weeks to live and they needed to ride out their feelings 
in their reflections on the reality that they only had three weeks to live. The second group was individuals that were in hospice care. They were told they had three weeks to live. Two starkly different groups in this. Those that had been acquainted and had realized that, that death comes for all of us and they realized that they were at the end of their days and those that did not anticipate and had not been acquainted with the fact that death was, at the, that death was an inevitable part of life and that the end of their days was near. You know what they found? It was so fascinating. They found that those that were not acquainted, those young, healthy, death was so far from them, they found that their blog posts, their reflections, were three times as negative as those that were in hospice care. You see, they realized they had made it so negative, they had, and it was the counterintuitive nature of that, they realized that when they're not acquainted with it, they're more fearful of it and it kept them from being adaptive. You know what's fascinating? In the biblical narrative, the reality of the matter is that we have a number of our days. And what does, what does God tell us to do? He tells us to do in Psalm 90, verse 12, to number our days. You see, the beauty of the matter is God has given us this great gift of life. And the, the horror of it is that it comes to an end with the salvific thought that we have is that our end is not the end. We have eternal life with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the stinging truth for us is what we see about the value of being adaptive, of what we see with Orpah, is she became acquainted with death and with the end of life, and she adapted and she moved on from the disappointments and the, and the failure of expectations in her life. You see, sometimes I think that we think that God promises us a comfortable life, and that's just not the case. God doesn't promise us a comfortable life. He promises to comfort us in this life. And the distinction between the two are sanctification. Difficulty, disappointment, it's an inevitable part of life. But here's the beauty. You're not alone that he wants to mold you, shape you, strengthen you in those moments, to press you into him, to recognize the truth that he will not allow one thing to happen to you that keeps you from his prosperous and good plan that he has. Orpah, adaptive. Naomi, acknowledged. And then we've got Ruth. What do we learn from Ruth? The reality that God never leaves us nor forsakes us through anything. You know, uh, Ruth, he says, when Orpah decided to raise her voice and cry, it says in the text, and then to move on. With Ruth, it says three, three or four words, I can't remember. And Ruth clung to her. And then we get the picture in verses 16 and 17 of how Ruth clung to her. Now, notice, remember, Naomi is in a foreign land now. She no longer has her husband. She no longer has one daughter-in-law anymore. Not only is she in a foreign land, but this foreign land has given her, it's, it, her, her tribe, her being, has a negative reputation. 
So she's got a foreign land, negative reputation, no source of well-being, no source of provision, and she now she has one daughter-in-law, one daughter-in-law is left, and what does Ruth say when they finally make their way back? Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. My God will be your God. Till death do us part. The beauty of the matter is the hard news that we experience, the good news that we experience, that we become completely overwhelmed about what we're going to do. We've got a God that will see us to completion. He started the good work, it says in Philippians 1, and then in verse 6, he says he sees it to completion. In Psalm 84:11, he says he does not withhold any good thing from those that he loves. It says in Philippians 4:19 that he provides for our every need in Christ Jesus according to his glorious riches. That our God is in the business of seeing things through. In the character of Ruth, we see the character of Jesus. A God that will not leave us on our own when the breaking news breaks us. And that is something to take great hope in. Because in the character of Jesus, we see an individual that was persecuted and was beat down. He took our punishment that we deserved so that we might have the reward that he deserved. So that by his wounds, we have been healed. You see, the the character of Ruth is a character of hope for us. That regardless of the news that this world gives us, that our God is going to accompany us all along the way. What I find myself mowing the grass and now looking at grass that is half mowed, half unmowed, a meeting that is impending, realizing what in the world am I going to do? The truth of the matter is that I have someone that is better than Ruth that is going to be with me to walk with me and equip me for the challenges he's going to put before me all the days of our life. Breaking news may break us, but our God is in the business of healing us, strengthening us, and seeing us through to the very end. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together. I thank you so much for these people. Um, And God, I, I know that some of us have faced news or some of us are still trying to process news about how we're going to move forward from that moment. Um, Whether that's the best of news and figuring out how to adjust and how to do life into the new new good news or whether that's really bad news um, and still trying to process where you are in the midst of all of it. But God, regardless of whether it's good news or bad news, we know that we've got the great news of your son Jesus that has come to seek and to save that which is lost, who's come to help and to to be to help us to strengthen us in these days and so i ask you just to bless bless us this day help us to see your goodness and your face to shine down upon us and to strengthen us all the days of our lives so that we may praise you and it's in your name we pray amen okay thank you all so much see you all next week